and welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. This is the final episode in our series called Life Hacks, with a conversation being led by Dr. Arnold Heinemann. So today we are going to be wrapping up actually our discussion that we've been on for two weeks now about life hacks with Jesus, making life work. It's been really about this biblical idea of wisdom, this Jesus idea of, of wisdom. What does it mean to be wise? How do we figure out life? And uh, as some of you know, today uh, I won't be leading the discussion, which usually happens, but we actually have uh, the honor and privilege of having a guest speaker come and join us. Let me just give you a quick introduction to who this guest speaker is, and I'll turn it over to him. I definitely want you to give him a warm welcome. Uh, Dr. Arnold Heinemann and I, we met actually not too long ago because we serve on a nonprofit board together. And uh, as I got to know him, I realized, wow, this guy is pretty amazing. He's pretty amazing just as a person. He's one of the humblest people I know. And the reason I say this is because when I tell you his credentials, you'll be like, oh, this guy's serious business. But when I first met him, he was always like telling me, yeah, well, I'm still learning, Yukon. I'm not sure about this. Well, we still got to figure this out. I'm still learning. We have to keep learning. I was like, wow, this guy, this guy's pretty humble. I mean, he's always constantly putting himself in a place of of learning. And then I go and find out his credentials. I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, Dr. Arnold Heidman currently is uh, on a, a faculty member at Rutgers. He's in the biological sciences, a professor. But before that, he was actually the dean of Livingston College at Rutgers University, the longest standing dean, 14 years, I believe. Uh, he is hails originally from California, so it's weird at Ethnos. We have this like California, Jersey connection. He hails, I believe, originally from South Central or Compton in Los Angeles. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Then he came over to New Jersey to do his undergrad at Princeton. Then he went back to UCLA to do his work here, there. And then he came back here to Rutgers. So he's like California, New Jersey thing. And, and some of you know the history of Ethnos. We definitely have that interesting California, New Jersey connection too. In any case... The other thing about Dr. Arnold that I really find amazing is not just his humility, but also his desire to know and follow Jesus. In fact, he is an ordained minister and is about to start a new church where he lives in, in North Jersey. And so without further ado, can you help me welcome uh, Dr. Arnold Heinemann? Arnold? Praise God. I don't know who that was, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be here and to share with you um, a little bit of what the Lord has put in my heart. And I understand uh, that you have been talking about wisdom, so I want to continue that dialogue. And Kevin, is that your name right? Kevin spoke to us already about wisdom. That was awesome. Um, when you make a CD or an MP3, I'll buy one. I want one. Okay? So soon do that. Because there is wisdom in that word. There's wisdom in that word. And I promise you, I won't do anything as 
dynamic is what you heard. So what I'm going to trust on is I'm going to trust on Holy Spirit to breathe life into the things that I want to share with you from Holy Scripture. Because for me, all wisdom is found in Scripture. And so what we want to do is begin a dialogue that focuses on what Scripture talks to us about wisdom. So today I want to talk to you about the beauty and the mystery of wisdom in the kingdom of God. And what I hope when we're done today is that you'll appreciate some of the beauty and there'll be some aspects of wisdom that will no longer be a mystery. Because when Holy Spirit speaks to us and God reveals his heart to us, then that which was mystery now becomes revelation and we begin to understand it. And so my prayer today as we begin is, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that the spirit of truth, your Holy Spirit, come and invade our hearts and minds and lead us into all truth and all godliness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So I know on your table you have some scriptures, and I'm going to lead you through some of those, and we'll talk a little bit about them. And we'll have some opportunities for some dialogue, okay? Great. So the first one is Proverbs chapter 4, and it's verses 7 through 9. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. In all of your getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor. When you embrace her, she will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. And so my readings today come from the New King James Version, and you may use a different version, and that's okay. In fact, the best way to learn the heart of God is to use lots of different versions and translations so that we can get the richness that language has for us in terms of understanding the heart of God. So in this verse, it says, wisdom is the principal thing. It's the main thing. It's one of the most important things. Get wisdom. This is encouragement from the Lord himself. Get wisdom. And, it, and you know it's important because the next line is, therefore get wisdom. See, when God repeats himself, it's not because he forgot what he said the first time, or nor does he believe that you're hard of hearing, but it's to emphasize the point. So wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. God is saying it's very important. In fact, the getting, that, that word getting can be translated in lots of different ways. Some translations actually say by wisdom. Doesn't mean literally to go with your credit card or your smartphone and purchase it, but it means that it is so valuable that you should be willing to sacrifice something in order to get it. All right. So that tells us something about the importance of it, and it tells us in the further scriptures what it will do. It'll promote you. If you embrace it, it will give you grace. And a crown of glory, it says, she will deliver. What the promise is, as we pursue wisdom, it is so important that 
God's promise is, is it will enrich our lives in some very clear and specific ways. Who doesn't want that? We talked about that this morning as we talked about greening our community. That's really enriching our environment. Well, in the same way, God wants us to get wisdom that we would, if you will, green or enrich our very lives. And that verse also says that in all of your getting, get understanding. In all of your getting, in all of your pursuing, in all of your buying, in all of your seeking, get understanding. And so as I read that, I need to pause for a minute. Because there's some words that we've thrown out that sometimes are used interchangeably but are different. Wisdom and understanding. Are they the same thing? Or are they different? So, like any scholar, I did the real smart thing. I looked them up in the dictionary. All right? So that's my secret. Don't tell anyone. When you're not sure of a word, you look it up in the dictionary. And today it's so simple because while we have a number of old-fashioned dictionaries in my home, you can also Google it, can't you? So here's what Webster's Dictionary tells us about wisdom. It says, wisdom, the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. Wisdom, the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. It's also insight. And for some of us, and I can hear in the back of my voice, in the back of my head, my mom saying this, wisdom is just good common sense, isn't it? Right? And so some of you have heard that too, I'm sure, from your, from your family, from your loved ones as you were growing. Wisdom, good sense. Now that differs from understanding in that understanding means, according to Webster's Dictionary, to grasp the meaning of something. Understanding, to grasp the meaning of something. It also can mean to accept a fact or a truth with regard to its certainty or at least its plausible certainty. Understanding can also mean to interpret one of a number of possible ways, i.e., the correct interpretation. So understanding speaks about knowing all of the variables there are, there is one correct interpretation. And so understanding is the ability to arrive at that. So I want to suggest something to you, if I can. And that is that these two definitions, coupled with what we read in Proverbs chapter 4, have some meaning for us. So wisdom is about putting those definitions together in a way that would have some meaning, some correct interpretation for us. Because I believe that Proverbs chapter 4 speaks to us about some things that we're supposed to discern about the human condition. Specifically, I believe it's a call of God for us to understand both spiritual truths and natural truths, particularly to, in regards to our lives as human beings. I believe that these verses in Proverbs 
speak to us. They encourage us to seek spiritual truths and natural truths in reference to our lives as human beings. And if we do that, the promises of those verses is that pursuit will enrich our lives. That's the good part about wisdom. Seeking wisdom will enrich our very lives. And so there's value in the process of seeking. There's value in the process of seeking wisdom. And I'm going to speak more about that a little bit later. But I want you to know that throughout Scripture, God encourages us to pursue wisdom. So in fact, our gathering here today as a body of believers or those who are seeking truth is part of the process that God encourages us to do. It is, in fact, the very process by which he says our lives will be blessed. You see, as believers, when we come together in Christ Jesus, part of what we desire is to have Holy Spirit through the Logos, the written word of God, but also there's a living word of God, his very Holy Spirit, which is alive in each of us as believers. And so that coming together allows us to follow a path. In fact, it leads us in a path. That particular path can be a way. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's a path that God is encouraging us to follow, to seek wisdom to such a degree that our thinking begins to line up with God's thinking. Our thinking begins to line up with God's thinking. You know, part of what Kevin's word to us spoke about was that struggle. That struggle that's in each of our souls to want to connect with the Creator. And it's a process and a willingness to seek Him diligently in order to do that. So let's continue to seek him. Let's continue to see what scripture tells us about that. And so the next verse that I have selected for you is Proverbs chapter 8. Now, I need to tell you, I'm going to move this a little bit out of this light here. Um, that's that's better. Not used to the comedy scene lighting, I confess. But I'll adapt, praise God. <laughs> so let's look at Proverbs chapter 8. And in fact, as my brother mentioned, I'm an educator, and so no good educator can speak before you without giving you a homework assignment. So take careful notes. Your homework assignment is to read... Proverbs chapter 8, it's in, in its entirety. Okay? It's a great verse of scripture. I'm going to share just a little bit of it, but I want you to read the entire chapter. So Proverbs chapter 8, verses 23 through 31 are there on your page, and you can follow with me and you will know that it says, The Lord possesses, possessed me at the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I have been established from everlasting. 
from the beginning, before there was ever an earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While I was, while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields, nor the primordial dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the seas its limits so that the waters would not transgress his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of man. Wow. That's poetry, isn't it? It's beautiful. But let's think a little bit about that imagery and that language. What is it telling us? What is it telling us about wisdom in that bit of passage? Well, I want you to note some things, and it will be clearer when you do your homework, but I want you to note the imagery of creation that's mixed in there with wisdom. The imagery of creation is all throughout this passage. But there's something else deep within that passage I want to suggest, and that is, since this passage talks about wisdom, and you'll know that when you read it from beginning to end in your homework, it's saying something about the nature of wisdom. It's almost saying that wisdom is divine, isn't it? It seems to be saying that wisdom was there with God and actively involved in the creation of all things. Isn't that interesting? This thing that we've been pursuing, that you've been pursuing as a congregation, there's an element of the very nature of the divine creator in it. You'll appreciate that more when you read it in its entirety. But let's continue to pursue this idea of wisdom that we began by reading Proverbs chapter 8 by reading one other verse. That's the next verse on your list. It's John chapter 1. And it's verses... 1 through 5, and then I skip to 14. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. And then skipping to verse 14, it reads, And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Do you note the creation language there in that passage? It starts with, in the beginning. It's the first same three words that you see in Genesis chapter 1, which describes 
the creation story. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, here in John chapter 1, the apostle John is giving us his version of the creation story. And he says, in the beginning was the word. And if you think about the imagery from Proverbs chapter 1, and the imagery here in John chapter 1, you're going to see some similarities in the flow of the language. So I have a question for you that I'd like you to talk a little bit among yourselves about. And that question is, what do these scriptures, Proverbs chapter 8, verses 23 through 31, and John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 14, what do they tell us about wisdom from God's point of view? You recall I said we gather here together to have Holy Spirit teach us things so that we can align them to God's point of view. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to talk amongst yourselves and answer this question and see if it's possible at your table to come to a consensus, okay? So we can do that. Brian, do you have anyone at your table? No. Honey, would you go over there and join Brian? That beautiful lady that I referred to as honey, that's my wife for 39 years. It's Juliet. So um, we're going to ask her to go over there and sit with Brian. And we're going to let you uh, dialogue a little bit about this issue. And then I'm going to come back and ask for some responses from some of you, okay? All right. Okay, we want to start wrapping it up because I have some other things we want to share. But I do want to hear from some of you about this initial thinking on this subject. Now, I know this is something you're going to think about throughout the week. Right, Deborah? We're going to think about it throughout the week. So I don't expect your answers to be fully polished, but it's okay. Um, because we're all friends here, and this is all part of the process of getting wisdom. So I'm going to come over here. And I'm going to ask David what he thinks. Hello. All right. So, so from all these three verses that, or, or no, uh, these three sections, um, these verses constantly say that it's a principal thing, and it's like a, from the beginning, right? So it gives me the vibe that the Lord is trying to simplify the concept of wisdom for us. So from his point of view, from his perspective that uh, since we're all lowly creatures, uh, our wisdom comparing to God's wisdom is nothing, right? Because we can't comprehend anything that he, he thinks about, he worries about for us. So I think from God's point of view, he's trying to simplify the concept of wisdom for us to understand better, uh, for us to better comprehend uh, what he's trying to tell us. Yeah, thank you. All right, very good. So David says that he views that God wants to simplify the concept of wisdom for us. That's an interesting idea, don't you think? That's really good. Did, is there anything you wanted to add to that? Well, something that came to my mind, uh, especially when going through uh, the section about, well, Proverbs 8, 
Um, well, actually, in both, the, the point about wisdom being there from the beginning um, made me think that wisdom is part of God. So um, as you go through Proverbs 8, it's saying, you know, as this was happening, I was there. Um, as this was happening, I was there. Yeah. Like, okay, you were there from the beginning, so you must be yeah. connected with so God wants to simplify wisdom for us, and part of that simplification is understanding that wisdom is part of the very nature and character of God. Is that what you're saying? Wow, I like that. That's, that's wonderful. That's heavy. That's deep. And we've learned some things. And wanting to simplify the nature of what God is, what we've learned is that God is his attributes. And one of those attributes seems to be wisdom. That's what our scholar over there is telling us, right? So we're learning something about God already. Did you want to add something, Carol? Yeah, um, I, I think in both passages, um, it talks about my delight was with the sons of men in Proverbs 8. Yeah. And then it says um, he, you know, he came to be with us kind of like in, in John. And without darkness, you can't, in darkness, when you're in darkness, you can't understand. So I think that even when there are people who don't have a full um, understanding of Jesus, when they have wisdom, we see people with wisdom, God is working on them. Okay, God is at work amongst his people. And that's part of the nature and the wisdom and people on the way, all right? So all of us are people in process. And that seems to be part of the wisdom of God. That understanding of who we are as his special people, right? So that changes how we look at people. And even how we look at ourselves, right? Because we're all a work in progress. We're all growing. In fact, scripture says that day by day we're growing more and more as believers in Christ into the very image and likeness of Jesus. Image and likeness of Jesus. And that doesn't mean we're all going to be transformed to look like Jesus looked however he looked in the flesh. But in the same way that we learn from our two scholars in the back that wisdom is a nature and a character of God, as we grow in Christ and grow in our understanding our very nature, our very character, our very behavior begins to reflect more and more of the nature of God. And that's what he desires when he says to pursue wisdom. Isn't he telling us maybe even to pursue a part of what he is? Let's look at that a little bit more. All right? Because I want to suggest to you that wisdom, as our scholars begin to point, um, point us in the direction is embodied in the very nature of God. And in fact, I want to suggest it's embodied in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because John chapter 1 said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Just like what we read about in Proverbs chapter 8 about wisdom. But John goes on and tells us something powerful. And the word became flesh. It manifested itself and dwelt amongst us. And he was speaking of Jesus Christ himself. 
And in fact, the Apostle Paul, this is your next scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 says, But for those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Scripture has this tendency of helping to define and clarify itself. And so as we wrestle with this idea of wisdom, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're told that the power of Christ and the wisdom of God are combined as one. And then as we sang this morning, it's really interesting, the song selection, that verse goes on and says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. In fact, God goes on in Proverbs, excuse me, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, and says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher, or my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so, my brother, when he's introducing me talked about humility. Well, I want you to know that it's really easy to be humble when you understand how wise and great our God is, right? And so all that we achieve is good, and God encourages us to do that. You know, my brother's humble too. You know, he has a doctorate too, right? But if you take the wisdom of his doctorate and the wisdom of my doctorate and combine them together, it's still nothing, in the face of the wisdom of God. So how can we not but be humble, right? Because we are all in process of seeking the mind of Christ. That's what this journey is about. And so my life, whether it's my family life with, with my wife, and we have four grown sons and three grandchildren, and so the life we live before them or the life that I try to live at Rutgers in the community as a professor, the life I try to live in my home community is reflective of I'm a seeker. I'm a seeking after the truth that I believe is found in Jesus Christ. But I'm also one who desires to reflect the reality of the little bit of truth that I have by the grace of God to others. Because you see, my favorite verse in Scripture is Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. And it says, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So the things that we do, the light that is within us, and we hope that light is not a dark light, but the light of Christ, the light that is within us, our purpose is to take that light, my purposes, and to make it so evident in my conduct, in my behavior, and in my speech that when people see the good things that I do, the one who enables me to do it, God in heaven gets the glory. So it's never about me. It's always about Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I have a second question. 
What does living in wisdom practically look like? What is that going to look like for you day in and day out to live in wisdom? Because you've been talking about wisdom a long time. You're experts in wisdom. I can tell that just from having talked with you. And so now I want us to be able to translate that in terms of how we live. So the question is, what does living in wisdom practically look like? To think of it another way, what's it going to look like Monday morning? What's it going to look like when you go home this afternoon? How are you going to live out wisdom? Talk among yourselves and see what you come up with. Okay. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, because I want to be sensitive to your time. Um, and I know that typically, you know, you're out here soon. And as I said to my brother when we were talking, I'm a, I'm a Rutgers professor. Our lectures are 80 minutes, so I can go on and on and on. So we're not going to do that today. So here's what I want you to do. You've talked a little bit about what practical wisdom looks like. I want you to share something about that with someone else not at your table before you leave today, all right? So that we can have an exchange. But here's what I want you to know, that Scripture tells us some things about wisdom practically. In, in Micah 6, 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But that you do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. Some practical things of what it might look like in terms of what God requires of us. And I would also suggest that wisdom is obedience to God. Because scripture tells us that. Samuel, 1 Samuel, chapter 15 and verse 22. So Samuel said, has the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is better to obey than sacrifice than to, and to heed than the fat of rams. God is saying what he really desires for us is for us to respond positively and correctly to his word. And that's more important to him than sacrifice. So at some level, practical wisdom looks like obedience. Do you hear that, young kids? Practical wisdom looks like obedience. So like when you obey your parents, you're operating in wisdom. And so all of the parents in the room are saying, yes and amen, right? Amen. And here's the, here's, the, here's the catch. Our Heavenly Father is saying the same to each and every one of us, too. And so, Father God is saying yes and amen to his call for each of us as his children to be obedient. Two final thoughts, two final scriptures. This is the essence of what I wanted to share today. Proverbs verse 3, or chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That's a challenge, because I have to confess there are times when I like to lean on my own understanding. She's agreeing with that that's my problem? You talk to my wife? 
She knows that. I have that issue as a man. I want to lean on my own understanding. But God says that we're supposed to trust him. That's what faith is. Those moments where we say, your will, not my will. So as you begin to unfold the wisdom of God, you will know that the wisdom of God is greater than your wisdom, and therefore you can trust it rather than your own understanding. And one of the ways that we have to do that, because God isn't calling us to lose our mind, but rather to renew our mind in Christ Jesus, as scriptures say. So John chapter 16, verse 13 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come. One of the precious gifts that God gives every believer is the presence, the infilling of Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is our gift from God in part to lead us in wisdom, to lead us in the way that we are to go. Our poet spoke about, I hear that voice and it sounds like mine. Sometimes, the voice of God sounds like our own voice in our inner man speaking to us truth. Sometimes that truth seems to be contrary to even that which we would want to do in our own flesh. God speaks to us in a gentle, clear voice, his wisdom. He's not left us alone to figure this out. He's given us scripture. He's given us the wisdom of our collective understanding as we seek God, and he's given us the voice of Holy Spirit that resides in every believer. How great, how wise is our God. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.